0: At Kroger, we want our fresh produce to meet your expectations. To make sure a bad apple won't spoil the whole bunch, we do up to a 27-point inspection on our fruits and veggies. We check for things like sunburns and scarring, making sure you only get the crunchiest apples. In fact, only the best produce like juicy pears, zesty oranges, and crisp carrots reach our shelves. Because when it comes to fresh, our higher standards mean fresher produce. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
1: Welcome, y'all. You're listening to my doula, Micah. Thanks for joining me today. Um, On this episode, I'm trying to narrow down all of the many hundreds of things that you need to know and are trying to decide about birth. And so I've tried to put all of these things into five major categories. And my encouragement is going to be to listen to this episode, ask yourself what you think and answer those questions for you before you go into birth. Okay, you guys. So, childbirth, big topic, obviously, right? And I'm going to probably address primarily in this episode people that are going to be having their babies in the hospital. I think this episode's primarily for those people. And I've been asked a lot about hey, what do you think about um, induction? What do you think about VBACs, HEP LOCKs? What do you think about? Intermittent monitoring. I mean, y'all, there's just so many things, so many things to talk about and think about and consider. And I've kind of boiled it down to my top five things um, that I think you want to ask yourself and answer for yourself before you go into birth. Now, am I saying that these top five things, once you've thought about it and once you've decided what you want, it has to be that way. No, if you've been listening to my podcast very long, you know that's not what I'm saying because we don't know how baby will respond in birth. We we cannot predict um, birth in the way that it will ultimately go. Okay, so I'm, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that you don't, want to go in and feeling like there's a hundred decisions you're going to have to make and you're not sure about every single one of them. So I've kind of narrowed it down into like five topics, if you will. And for the most part, most of the things that you will come across or encounter are going to fall into one of these five categories. Okay. So number one, first thing that I think you want to ask yourself and answer for yourself is movement during labor. And that means you moving. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts about that? What do you want to do? So most of my clients know, understand and want to be able to be mobile. They want to be able to get out of the bed. That's kind of the question is, are you going to be in the bed or out of the bed? So, you know, are if you're wanting to be moving, whether that is simply standing swaying, birthing ball, walking. If you want to be doing those things, I will tell you one thing you need to keep in mind is that most meds, any kind of meds, you're probably going to be in the bed. Interventions, for the most part, they're probably going to want you to be in the bed. So if you plan on moving and not staying in the bed, then you really need to understand that if you introduce medication that's going to make it a lot harder for you um so another you know another thing to consider in terms of movement is hey do you want to get in the bath if there is a tub available uh do you want to get in the shower um so there's you know lots of positions to get in there's lots of you know and some of them are in the bed um but you know hands and knees could be on the floor you can sit in a rocking chair you can you know Lots of ways to move. And so think about if that's important to you. So I think that's a big one. And once you've asked yourself that and you've answered that, then you'll kind of know in general what you want or need to do. Hopefully, um, there's not a major medical reason why you need to stay in the bed. There are a few, but there's not many. So I'm just telling y'all, there's very few reasons why you would need to stay in the bed. Okay, so moving. Second one, is your pain management plan. So uh, a lot of things, in my opinion, kind of fall into this category. Um, And and when I say pain management plan, I mean, y'all, you're going to be hurting at some point, right? It's going to be intense. Some people are going to say they experience pain. Some people are going to say, I just felt like it was intense or it was just hard or it, you know, whatever. But you're going to get there. You're going to be noticing these contractions, this intensity, hurting, potentially pain. And how do you want to address that? And I think if you know beforehand how you initially want to address that, I think that will be super helpful for you. So if you're not wanting interventions or meds and drugs, then your pain management uh, plan would consist of different positions to get into that are more comfortable and help you relax a little bit more I have several episodes and one of them is called go-to positions so go back and find that and and it lists more in detail kind of my go-to positions for my clients Um, so it would consist of that Um, massage so a lot of women benefit from I mean it doesn't necessarily have to be hip squeezes or counter pressure squeezes like for back labor but that's a big one it could just be a lot of moms like their legs massaged during labor, you know? Um or maybe it's just simply, you know, rubbing the back or uh stroking the shoulder and the arm. So touch is a big one. Um it doesn't like I said it doesn't have to totally be officially technically a massage, but touch in some way really does help you guys with that pain management. So that's one to be considering breathing, obviously. Um the way that you're breathing helps you relax. The more you relax, the less painful it's going to be. So your breathing and breathing correctly and being able to relax while you breathe is huge in terms of your pain management plan. Uh, some people use a TENS machine. That's an option. Um, there are several oils, like natural homeopathic type things that can help with pain um there's hypnosis a lot of people do that there uh and it's more with the uh, hypnobirthing uh there's classes for that so if you feel like that's something that you could potentially benefit from a lot of people talk about how it really does help with the pain there's pressure points um not necessarily i mean yes it could be um oh what do you call the needles darn it i should have written it down oh
0: At Kroger, we want our fresh produce to meet your expectations. To make sure a bad apple won't spoil the whole bunch, we do up to a 27-point inspection on our fruits and veggies. We check for things like sunburns and scarring, making sure you only get the crunchiest apples. In fact, only the best produce like juicy pears, zesty oranges, and crisp carrots reach our shelves. Because when it comes to fresh, our higher standards mean fresher produce. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Man, I'll think of it in a second, but the, but the needles that go
1: in maybe in your ears or in your back and it's supposed acupuncture. I know it's going to get it. Um, some of my clients have come in with like acupressure magnet balls on their ears and you squeeze them and it helps with pain. So there's one. Um, And then of course, you guys, there's the analgesic meds that go into your um, IV. And typically they last about, I'm going to say 45 minutes on average, you'll, you'll need to be in the bed uh, because you're going to feel like you had the best margarita in your entire life. Most of my clients who have um, meds, in their system, they kind of, we did literally like push pause in labor and they doze off. Um, They still feel their contractions. They're aware of their contractions. It doesn't make the pain go completely away, but it really makes them manageable. You don't really care. (laughs) Um, So it's a great reset button. And oftentimes that's really all our clients will need is one dose of that one. If they're getting to that point of, oh my gosh, I'm totally done, I can't do this. This is so painful and it's excruciating y'all, I can't. Okay, so that's super helpful. And then there's also the epidural. So there's lots of options that you can consider for your pain management plan. Oh, shower and bath, huge. Those are big ones. Um, That is really great with pain management. really helps your body relax. Um, You'll feel like your contractions maybe even slowed down a little bit, but really what happened is you can kind of tell the difference between when your contraction starts and stops and when it's between a contraction because when you're hurting and in pain, it's hard to kind of come down from that contraction and really let it go and be okay. You have to be conscientious and and very deliberate to say, oh, contraction's over. (sighs) I'm done. I'm fine. Okay. You have to really be mindful of that. So what the shower and the bath can do is just kind of separate the contraction from just tension between contractions, if that makes sense. So bath, shower, huge. Um, I'm going to suggest that you try all of those things that I just mentioned before the meds and the epidural. I think you're going to be really glad that you did. Um, even if you're not super gung ho about, oh, this has to be completely natural, even if that's not you. I still think that if you can get as far as you can um, physically into this laboring process and, and really on into active labor and man, if you hit that five or six centimeters before you got drugs, um it it really is going to help because if you're not in active labor yet and you go ahead and do the meds and the epidural uh, sometimes it really, it can slow some things down um, because it's relaxing, right? It's, it's numbing. And so it can, it can slow some things down and then that can make your breath a little bit longer. Um, But for those of you that have been laboring for 48 hours and you haven't slept and you haven't eaten and you're still three or four centimeters. And I mean, the epidural is a dream. That's great. Go for it. Um, But, I really do think that if you can get as far as you can without the drugs and the epidural for pain management, I think you're going to be glad. I I do. I think that your experience can be a lot more positive, Uh, less effects on baby too. But pain management plan has options. Look into those. Ask yourself what you think you want. Answer that for yourself. That's a big one. Uh, Number three, y'all, you need to have peaceful people at your birth. And I'm including your caregiver. If you don't like the vibe of your caregiver and they are causing you to stress and worry um, and you feel like you're having to fight them for things, please don't wait till you are a few weeks away from having your baby. It is really, really hard to change caregivers at that point. Um Other caregivers don't like to take on pregnant mamas that late in the game. And so you're really making it challenging for yourself. Um, You need to um, start deciding early on in the process if you are gelling with this caregiver because they are going to be caring for you and your baby. And so I think that's important. I, I really do. And, and when you have a piece about your caregiver, you're going to be more relaxed because you're going to trust them. Y'all, this is huge. You really do need to trust your caregiver. And if you don't, I, I think you have a problem. <laughs> I think you need to do something about it. Um, your family members that could potentially be in attendance, they need to be peaceful people. And if they're not peaceful people in general, then you need to make sure they understand that while they're there, um, they need to not talk like you don't want to be worrying about them. They need to be observing. If if you know they're not going to be able to provide peace for you, but for whatever reason they need to be there or you want them to be there, then they need to really understand. Nope, you're not interacting. You cause me stress. Take a back seat, OK, um, and then I would also say your support person, if you're going to have a doula at your birth and they are not peaceful to you. If they are stressing you out for whatever reason, their ideas or um, their bad experience with that with your particular doctor or um, you don't feel confident in them for some reason or another. I mean, yeah, your support person just because they are a support person doesn't mean that's the right person for you. Okay, so you want peaceful people, people that you trust, feel safe with and can relax at your birth. Number four, um, I'm calling this one interventions, even though I did mention the pain meds earlier, I put that under the, um, pain management plan. And so there's other interventions that don't have anything to do with pain management. Uh, that could be an induction and y'all that could be a natural induction or that can be a synthetic induction like, uh, Pitocin, um, Go ahead and think about what do I think about induction? What do I think about trying to make my body go into labor and it's not quite ready yet? What do I think about that? And here's the thing. Mm, lots of people have strong opinions about that. I I don't think you should get induced unless there's a, a genuine medical reason. And we tell our clients that. Um, and, you know, they're going to have caregivers from time to time that want to induce that we don't think that's a medical reason, um, but at the end of the day, if you're fine with scheduling an induction at 39 weeks, then be fine with scheduling an induction. You know, if you know what the um, what the options are and you know what it what it means to be induced, and you know that it could potentially be a failed induction. Um, if you understand all of that and you're okay with that, then again, you're a grown. Woman, be okay with it. It's okay if other people aren't okay with it. If you're okay with it, then be okay with it. So think about what do you, what are your thoughts about induction? Um, There's also um, artificial rupture of your membranes, breaking your water or stripping your uh, bag. That's actually two different things. But breaking your water means they literally went in with an instrument and made the bag break open so that all of the fluid comes out and moves out of the way most of the time they're doing that to speed things up or to get baby to descend and help dilate um, sometimes it can be the water bag is actually in the way like you are at nine centimeters and there's no reason why we shouldn't be pushing here in the next few minutes it's because that bag is so 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 strong and it's just not breaking so sometimes it can be beneficial uh to break the water. But it's important to look into that. What do I think about that? And y'all, there's lots of people, lots of people that they're totally fine with their water being broken. They don't see that as a big deal. Great. Then if you're cool with it, get it have it. But make sure you understand why you're getting your water broken. Um, and so kind of look into that and see in general where do you stand? no, I don't want my water broken for just any reason, just because we're going to speed it up and I'm going to see what my body can do. Awesome. That's what you think about it. Right. Um, Then I mentioned earlier and not just so meds, there's more meds than just pain relief meds. There's all kinds of meds. I'm not going to list them all you guys, but all kinds of meds. So are you okay with them administering medication and drugs to you while you're in labor? You need to, in general, if you're like, no, I really don't want that, then great. Start there in your birth. Okay. If they're offering you some meds, maybe, maybe you threw up and they're like, oh, hey, we have some meds to help with nauseousness. If you already know you don't really want to introduce medication and drugs and labor, then initially say no, no, thank you. You know, it's not a bad thing to throw up in labor. It can be quite common. And if you're not constantly throwing up, like you can't control it, it's awful, then yeah, you probably don't need medication. Um, You might throw up again, but it's, it's normal. It's a normal part of the process. So if you already know not super fired up about being on drugs while I'm in labor then great then you'll know how to initially respond about that right and then as time goes on and as you have a conversation with your caregiver and your partner or your support support person and you decide oh this particular medication will actually be beneficial and I think I'll get something out of it go for it okay uh and episiotomy is another one there's other things that they can use um as babies coming out they're so rare vacuums and forceps so rare really at least where we are they're just hardly ever being used I, i've seen forceps one time they got brought out they were the biggest things i've ever seen in my life i was like where do they think they're gonna put those that's not gonna fit up anybody vagina. So, are you crazy and the doctor was like, yeah, no, this isn't going to work. And just put him right back down. I've literally just seen him. That's it. A vacuum maybe used twice. And this baby was, heart rate was dropping, already engaged and crowning. And we were in an emergency situation. And this doctor handled themselves beautifully and so thankful that that was available to us. But y'all, that's like one time. So those aren't super common. An episiotomy, where we are is not a automatic go-to really very much. There's a couple doctors that they automatically will do it because they're pretty old school, but they have found that tearing and repairing the tear is not a lot different than repairing an episiotomy, which is kind of some of the reason why they would do it initially um, with the reason they used to do it. So here they're not as common, but you get to say, I don't want you to cut me and we're just going to see what my body does. And I'm okay. If I tear great that's great um there's been a a couple of times that i've seen uh where an episiotomy was actually what she needed it was super helpful she'd been pushing a long time and it was actually a midwife she was concerned because she could see where the pressure was about where she was going to tear and that was going to be very painful a very hard recovery and cause a lot of damage potentially and so she did an episiotomy in a place that was a little bit safer and baby came right out and she was able to spare those body parts (laughs) and so i'm thankful that she saw the opportunity to use a tool that could be helpful and that's that's the thing y'all you really only want any of these interventions is if it is genuinely going to be beneficial because you're in a situation where the stereotype birth going the way it's supposed to go isn't happening, okay? So that's really what you need to know. Is this really beneficial or is this just because? Does it make sense? Hopefully that makes sense. Um, And then number five, um, to me, one of the things you want to ask yourself and answer is after a baby is born, what do you envision once your baby's born, right? Uh, for me, when I was having babies, what I envisioned was baby was being born. As soon as baby was born, they gave baby to me. I'm the one that's worked my ass off for that baby, All right? Give me my baby, right? That's what I envisioned. That's what I wanted, and I think a lot of women feel that way and that that's what they want is to be holding their baby so you need to go into birth expecting um desiring that as soon as baby's born they're going to give you your baby right so there's very few reasons very few <laughs> as to why they would not give you your baby when baby is born uh depending on uh the birth and how baby responded swallowing meconium potentially um their heart rate wasn't good, their color and their muscle tone is bad and and baby needs some extra attention so that baby is okay. It's a it's a medical thing on for baby's behalf, right? Got it. We we want them to take care of baby. Um that's one reason. To me that's the really big reason. Or if mom is not doing well for some reason or another. Mom is 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 crashing. Um and, and really can't even hold baby. So that would be obviously a medical reason, a big reason uh, for that to happen. Really? Y'all there's not anything else. I mean, they can wipe birth off baby while baby is on mom. Oh, 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 I know one other one. There was a cord that was super, super, super short and they tried to put baby up like onto mom's chest, but baby just kind of had to lay really low on her abdomen. And was still on mom kind of. But mom could hardly even reach and hold baby there. I mean, it was the shortest cord I've ever seen. Um, and so, but that's not really a choice. That's just because the cord didn't reach, right? Just wanted to mention that one in case somebody pushes back and goes, no, nah, there's another reason. <laughs> Y'all, there may be hundreds of other reasons. I'm just giving you my experience. Um, So I believe that you should be able to hold your baby. They can clean baby off, take baby's temperature, suction baby, just like normal kind of suctioning. Take all that stuff while baby's on mom. They can clean mom up, stitch mom up. They can do all of that while mom is holding baby. There are some times when moms are so overwhelmed or the pain from the stitches is so bad or whatever that she's like, I need some help. I need someone to to take the baby for me right now. And great, that's fine if that's mom's choice, right? For her partner to hold the baby or for them to just go ahead and assess baby. That's all fine if that's what mom wants. But really, again, I, I just think that baby can be on mom. I also really think that, It's okay if you want that baby nurse to just step back a bit um, while baby's on you. If baby's fine, like put the blanket on baby, but I don't need you to clean baby off right away. Um, Sometimes they're rubbing baby to get baby to, you know, cry or, you know, they got kind of wet lungs and they're, they're wanting baby to, you know, And it's more than just crying. They want them to clear their lungs, right? Um, Because it's really hard for babies to breastfeed when they're, they got all that gunk in there. And so, I mean, it's a good thing. It's a positive thing, but you know, mom can do that. Mom can bring a baby and it doesn't have to be super violent. Oftentimes if you just kind of tickle their feet, they'll kind of stir a little bit, but that's that's so the caregivers can really see that baby's fine because some babies don't like birth and they're not okay. But most babies are fine. Um, And so again, What do you envision once your baby's born? What do you see? What do you want? And that should be your first inclination. That should be what you are expecting and what you're trying for unless your birth or your baby dictates something else. Okay, I know that those were very um, concentrated to five things and I did that on purpose because like I said, there are hundreds of details to be thinking about and I think most of them kind of fall into one of those five categories. And so- Think about those things, answer those things for yourself. And I I think that your experience will go a lot better if you'll take the time to do that. Thank you for listening to My Doula You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube at My Doula Micah. You can also get connected at mydulamica.com. If you're interested in checking out my book, the link to The Humor in Birth Stories and Insights from a Doula can be found on all of these social platforms. Be sure to share and subscribe. I'll be here next week, so please be sure to join me again. And this podcast was produced by Rogue Media Network.